Welcome to Beauty Superstars Talk, your backstage pass to experts in beauty. My name is Mickey Wright, and each and every week I have the privilege to interview Black beauty bosses who are doing amazing things in the beauty industry. We give voice to their stories and celebrate their excellence while they drop nuggets to help all of us become better beauty pros and better entrepreneurs. More than a podcast, this is a movement to encourage Black excellence, entrepreneurship, to preserve our history, and to bring healing to the beauty industry. It's been said, if you want to be the best, you have to hang out with the best. As someone who went from struggling hairstylist to winning awards, becoming an educator, and owner of one of the 200 fastest growing salons in the country, I am committed to bringing you the tips, tricks, and secrets of success from the best the beauty industry has to offer. So if you love beauty, business, and peeking backstage like I do, let's go. My name is Mickey Wright, and I want to welcome you guys to Beauty Superstars Talk. I'm the founder of Beauty Superstars, and we've recently started this having these conversations. It's really about celebrating excellence from beauty artists who happen to be Black. And um, we want to showcase some of the best of the best. And we've had such a great lineup prior to this. I'm super excited about today. So um, my guest today, as you guys probably know, is Kia Neal, Kia Artistically Neal. And I want to read a little bit of her bio, and we will start to kind of jump right in. We'll keep this conversational, and as I mentioned, we'll um, be able to take questions. If you guys have questions, just put them in the chat versus the Q&A, and we'll try to keep it as streamlined as possible. So, Ms. Kia Neal, she is a beauty brand strategist, color coach, texture specialist, educator, ABCH certified. She'll tell us a little bit about that when we go through and talk. Um, Intercorporate member, industry advocate, and change maker, and it's like that's... Um, come for front to the forefront i guess um it's like i feel like this is the time when we're going to talk about <sighs> ready for a revolution so um <laughs> amen <laughs> so they call her the agitator uh, she's a stylist of 26 years she's been an educator guest artist consultant and platform artist for several major brands she founded color culture in 2015 designed to educate and empower all nationalities and cultures with unparalleled color curriculums um, say that three times fast. Um, <laughs> Try it. <laughs> she coaches and mentors individually and in groups. She hosted digital coaching, that's coaching with a K, um, program along with live webinars. He was the first African-American female educator at the ABCH Summit in 2018 and keynote speaker for the 2019 Energizing Summit. Um, and she says, the church and the salons are the last two institutions left that are segregated. Is, this is why she's committed to the increase of inclusion and diversity in the beauty industry, hence the birthing the movement and initiative texture versus race. And she now consults with brands to restructure their business models and to be more inclusive and diverse at their core. And her ultimate, business, ultimate goal is to share the love of color and texture with everyone and improve the landscape, the overall landscape of the beauty industry. And her mission is to destroy ignorance with knowledge. So I'm really excited to be here today. <laughs> I'm excited to be here, Miss Mickey. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, yeah. It's like, this is all about people um, of color, of, you know, Black artists um, who are excelling in what they're doing. And from a lot of the stories that I heard recently, it's like excelling 
in a lot of times against all odds. And so this is where I wanna provide like a safe space for people to tell their own stories where there isn't a narrative around what your story should be or what we think you said. So <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I wanna, I guess, start with where we met. It's like we met um, through a mutual friend, through Brian Bennett, uh, was wandering through the Bronner show a few years ago. And he's like, have you met Kia? And I was like, no, I haven't. And so he took me over and introduced me. And um, I loved your, your setup, you know, with the color. I love the, the look of the color education that you were providing. I love that you were providing color education. Um, I've been in this industry a long time. And, um, you know, say 20 years ago, it's like there were a few of us who were doing color. Um, there wasn't as much demand from the mm -hmm. clientele unless they were gray. Some I had some blondes and that type of thing during that time frame. So we did quite a bit in our salon, but not overall. And now just, you know, fast forward in the last five years, I think it's just taken off. And so tell us about, you know, like how you got started in the industry and, and what pulled you toward color. So I started doing hair about 26 years ago, not really thinking I was going to be in the hair industry. You know, really, I went to college for journalism. Uh -huh. okay. So, uh, yeah, so I was thinking I was going to be a journalist, you know, a writer of some sort, you know, advertising, public relations, all of that. And, and somehow I just got bored and I was like, okay, no, I don't think this is what I want to do. And someone suggested that I go to cosmetology school and I was like, hmm. I'm not sure about that, you know, just, you know, and I thought about, it. I was like, well, I'll give it a try. And when I got in it, I was like, okay, no, I really like this. You know, I realized quickly that I was, I was really behind the curve. Uh, you know, I sucked at doing hair actually. Um, I was just wasn't good at all because I wasn't that, you know, most of the stylists in school, the students already have some type of idea that they wanted to do hair all their life. Like they have dolls and they've been, playing in their friend's hair and they've been kind of, you know, doing hair in the kitchen. And I was like, none of that. And so I was really behind the curve and I had to work a lot harder to create what, you know, what, what would have looked like anything promising, <laughs> even <laughs> if in school, you know, and it took a minute. Like I had to work a lot harder than everybody else to try to catch up and catch on and keep mm -hmm. going. So you know, that's kind of how I landed in the industry. I didn't, I didn't think I would, but I'm glad I'm here. Right, right. Well, we're glad you're here too. <laughs> and with, you know, getting started in the industry and like you said, you know, not being a natural at it and having thought you'd do it all your life or what have you, what made you like transition into, you know, color? So I was a cutter at first. Okay. Um, I really thought that, uh, cutting hair was a thing for me because I really enjoyed it. But then I enjoyed coloring as well. So it got to be this beautiful symmetry between cutting and color that I really loved. But I also realized that I was limited in my color because I wanted to do everybody. I wanted to do what I had been seeing, what I had been exposed to going to the bigger shows, the more diverse shows, or, you know, the more, you know, white shows where I saw more. And so, you know, with exposure, comes the idea you know it's a fire lit at that point you know because I wasn't just seeing you know black stylists just doing black color I was seeing more streamlines more things that I was not already good at and I wanted to be good at it mm -hmm. so when I decided I wanted to lean into color a little bit more I also knew I had to change where I was living 
like thriving and in the salon space. So when I moved from South Carolina to Maryland is when I got to work in a multicultural salon so that I could really cultivate that skill and go from doing just what I knew on my traditional clientele to working on a very multicultural clientele. And that kind of really led me to teaching color specifically because I knew at that point how everybody was missing it. At that point, I kind of started putting the dots together like, oh, okay, this is why we don't understand this. Okay, this is where there was a, 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 a mishap or this is the information that's missing from the curriculum. So I developed a curriculum that would bridge all of that information together so that everybody could really learn from the beginning. Not because they didn't know some of it, but if you go from the beginning and it's all inclusive mm -hmm. and it's much more intentional of getting you to understand the bits and the pieces and where we may have, you know, dropped the ball, not even dropped the ball. We, we were never given the ball. So, you know, there are just some areas that we have lacked in the education. I felt like that was my space to live in is to help people get over on the other side of the education for color. Yeah, there's there's definitely so much to learn from, you know, regarding color because everything is, you got all your basics and your fundamentals, but then you get the hair and you start to add in other you know, parts Variables, to equate. Right. And so there's a lot of pieces to learn. So with, um, with color, like you were saying that you worked in a multicultural salon, were you seeing missing pieces from like everyone that you worked with or were you seeing it more in the black industry or what were your observations? So when, as I was learning, you know, because when you're a teacher, because I was already an educator, right? And I already okay. taught color some, you know, I taught what I was doing. I taught how to cut and color because we did, you know, platform artistry. So you have to learn how to do it and explain everything. Mm -hmm. But when it came to a specific theory, while I'm learning, I was learning how to teach it. And so while I was learning, I, every time a light bulb went off for me, I was like, I know for a fact, we don't know that. And when I say we, I mean the African-American community because we didn't, like I said, the book wasn't really made for us to really understand it because we couldn't really use that same approach to different fabrics of hair that would sit in our chair. So, you know, that information was almost useless to us if you were not doing that particular client and working on that particular fabric of hair. So for me, I felt like I understood where those little pockets of, of, of darkness were for us to not get it. Like, why couldn't we get it? And when we would go to classes, even if you wanted to learn color and you went to certain, you know, a certain class that may have been given by, you know, a white person or a white dominant brand, they automatically thought and assumed that you were on a certain level already. So some of the basic education was missing and a lot of us just didn't have it. So I wanted to do it without being brand specific and teach you how to be a better colorist and a better scientist around color versus teaching you just how to work with certain colors or certain brands or doing certain techniques. I wanted to make people proficient in learning how to do color, period. So yeah, in my learning, I learned how to reteach it. Right, okay, okay. Yeah, I, I used to teach Fabulous Finishes, which was a little bit more focused on the cutting and the styling part, really the styling, but you can't style without a cut. So it was like we taught the mm -hmm. cutting and it was similar because, you know, it's like you'd go to classes and you'd say, oh, I've got a, you know, like a basic cutting class and no one comes. Then you've got the advanced color class, I mean, um, cutting class and everybody's in it, but they don't know any of the basics. So it's like, 
So it's like nobody wants to be charged with, okay, maybe I just need right. to go back to the basic. They right. look at that like that's a like that's a negative thing when really what was the biggest eye opener for me in my curriculum in color culture and in the career of color culture was that everybody, no matter what culture you were in, there was there was a sort of a disconnect with color curriculum, period, across right. the board. Like, I thought we were the only ones. Like, I thought African-Americans in, in our community was the only ones. But to be honest with you, there's just as many confused other people. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I think we should feel better about that. <laughs> I'm like, let me let you off the hook. Every, you know, white isn't right, and all white people don't just know how to do color. And I didn't realize that until I started educating on this level. And I realized how many people, no matter who they are, what culture they were from, they really mm -hmm. appreciated the color culture curriculum. Yeah, yeah. So I, I definitely think it, it meets a need. It fits um, a bill because even with like really good schools, it's like I've been on the, the manager side where I'm hiring and, mm -hmm. you know, just asking people, okay, well, tell me about the color wheel. And they're like, uh, you know, it's like, you, right. fit, you know, 1500 hours in and it's like, you're like, uh, you know, <laughs> and, right. And even at schools that have more of a, a color curriculum or a color you know um where you're thinking it's like you go there because you want to learn color it's like there's many of the students most of the students i would say are coming out and they still don't know understand they color <laughs> they can't see the importance of the foundation yet because we mm -hmm. push an agenda of the result mm -hmm. not the journey to get to it yeah the because style we're so visual we want to see the result we're, we're enthralled with the the 30 minute slow-mo, 30 second slow-mo video. <laughs> we want that. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yep, you definitely got to lay the foundation. So let's fast forward to A, B, C, H. And you tell us what that is and, and why you joined. So the ABCH stands for the American Board of Certified Hair Colorists, which is an elite organization that qualifies you through testing and study to be a colorist, a scientific colorist. So when you got that certification, it basically said that you were the top of the top, the creme de la creme, the color educator, you know, the color, I'm sorry, the color artist, whatever, and you held this certificate because you met all the criteria that they asked you to meet. And so it was a rigorous, you know, journey for that. It did take me 90 days of study for it. It was a long day's test. Um, the prep for that it, it was it was it was exhausting but it was so worth it because I needed that to sort of qualify me where I was going mm -hmm. so when you're when you're teaching color education it's really good to start getting papers behind you that sort of qualify you so that people go oh okay so you're ABCA certified oh okay we can listen to you so sometimes you got to get you got to you got to get stacked up you got to get your papers right. with you so exactly. you know I had to get some papers Okay. <laughs> um, got that. And that was an amazing journey. I really, I really like doing that because now I understand what that level of expectancy is. How do we operate at that level? What, what does that look like? How do you want people to show up for that? How do you want them to excel and how do you even qualify that? So that's, that's, that was a really good thing. I'm very proud of that certificate because it was a lot. Right. You know, and I don't make people think it was an easy feat. It, it wasn't. Not, well, not for me anyway. 
you know. <laughs> yeah. From those people I've spoken to, it, it's, it's, it no, wasn't easy. I, and it's, it's not meant to be easy because like you say, it's no. meant to raise that bar of excellence. And well, they actually have a 70% fail rate. Mm -hmm. I'm not surprised. They do. Most of the people fail. Um, and then they come and then they come back. Usually they mm -hmm. test twice before okay. they get it. And I, you know, I took that as a, <laughs> that was fire. That was a challenge because I, first right. of all, I wasn't going back. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't doing it twice. Like I already knew in my mind, like this was either I was going to get it or I wasn't ever going to get it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I went, it was too much. It was too much. Mentally, it was too much. You had to be focused on it. It was something right. you had to work at every day. It wasn't even something you could just pick up a book and say, well, I'm going to just read the book and study and cram. No, it was a preparation the entire journey that mm -hmm. led you to this space. And here's the thing. Most of the tests, 40% of the test is just them trying to figure out whether you can follow directions. Mm -hmm. And believe it or not, that 40% can fail you. And the reason why it fails you is because you don't want to follow directions. Right. You just want to be what you, you want to do, what you want to do and what you know is true versus listening right. to what someone says and following directions. Mm -hmm. So that part tends to get people, but that's the 40% that can fail you. Right, right. And that sounds like the difference between like the scientific versus the creative. Right. And, and the, the creative does fight with the science sometimes. Right, right. <laughs> because science is so subjective sometimes too, you know, mm -hmm. we, we mix that up. And, and when people are taking tests like that, they tend to want to interject what they know and what they feel. And so this organization that says, but this is our criteria. We want to make sure you can do this, 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 and this, the way that we set it. Right. This is our criteria. After right. that, you can go do it any way you want to, but can you follow direction? And to be honest, that's a humbling experience too. That, mm -hmm. that journey is very humbling because, I mean, I remember a couple of times I was like, I don't know if I agree. She was like, we didn't ask you to agree. We asked you <laughs> to follow that. And I was like, word. Okay, here we go. But that gets you all the way together. You know what I'm saying? Right, that, exactly. It puts you in, a, it's like, it's almost corporate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, people that come with a corporate experience, I thought I saw Ms. Fatima actually make a comment. I can't see because she's not in the Zoom, but um. I often see her hashtag sometimes, you know, like, I got degrees in this, like, you know, and so, you know, there's a right. corporate, you know, corporate, corporate thrives a little different, right. <laughs> you know, so having that balance of the corporate experience and the creative is real is a really successful combination. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think, and you can tell me what you think. I don't think you can really succeed without some level of discipline and some level of humility and some level of, you know, it's like in running a business and running the business that I had, it's like, you know, we had to adopt, this is the way we do it here. And so mm -hmm. you can bring in what you have done before. Don't leave that, sit it to the side, do it the way we're saying do it, and then start to add in and integrate from there. Absolutely. Absolutely. I feel like there has to be a core structure with anything that mm -hmm. enables that you have discipline attached to that. Everything else is like leaves, but you got to have the whole tree and the trunk has to be stable. And then you have your branches of, of your, of your preference, <laughs> right, <laughs> what you right. like and what you <laughs> prefer and all these other different little pieces to it. So you're absolutely right, but there has to be core structure. I, I wholeheartedly agree. Yeah. Yeah. And that discipline piece that, that can get us as, <laughs> as creative <Yeah>. people. <laughs> But yeah, I think it know, also accelerates, I think it accelerates the creativity. Would you 
It does. I think that when people get a hold to some structure, they figure out how to amplify the, the artistic approach. But artistry can get lost in your character, <laughs> no Ooh. matter how good you are. Ooh, so one don't of my hear that favorite, one. <laughs> no, they might not like you for that one. But, you know, <laughs> I, one of my favorite quotes is that, you know, talent will take you places that character won't let you stay. And I've been mm. quoting that and saying that for years for people to remember. I tell it to my children, like, right. no matter how good you are at a thing, if you don't cultivate this side of you, then this can't thrive. It's right. almost like you need this to lift this, but you can be as good as you want to be. But if you're flighty and all over the place and you don't have any discipline and no structure, right. it, it kind of, you know, it's kind of hit or miss for you. So yeah, I, I agree. We, we, we are on the same page. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, I I think, you know, just while we're on this for a second, like um, there's been, I guess in the industry, like the moving toward the salon suites, which I don't have anything against salon suites, but I think that you can become more creative by working with people and learning how to work in a team and a group and get along. And, you know, when I first started working across from a stylist who was extremely talented, excellent, one of the best cutters ever that I've met, but it's like, we were across from each other playing off of our mirrors. And so we would see different things with the other person's client that it's like, well, oh, what if you just tried, you know, such and such? And then, you know, it's like, we were humble enough to say, yeah, let's try that. And it's like, it'll be like, oh, that was even better than it was before because it's like, you have this collaboration. And I think we've gotten so far away from that because we don't want any discipline. We don't want anybody saying, you know, that, you know, you need to be here at a certain time and you need to dress professionally and you need to do all of these things that lead to more creativity. Um, you know, I, I, I want to speak to that because uh -huh. I, I feel a couple of ways about the suite. So uh -huh. me personally, I do not like suites for me. First of all, I'm too much. I like to talk. I, mean, I don't know if y'all noticed that at all, <laughs> but I like to talk to people. I like to collaborate. I like to uh, feed off of energy. I like to be like, you go girl, that looks great. I love a team of focused environment. I like a team structure, structured environment for me. That's how I thrive. However, I understand that the team module has not been the most successful in not only the Black community, any community, but especially the Black community, because we never had a structured module to like anyway. There weren't as many now, you, you're talking about yours, but how many did you know that were running the module that really helped um, to, you know, maybe they were a commission or they had team building strategies, they had regular meetings, they had mm -hmm. in-salon education. They, there's a structure, there's a, there's a whole module around that that helps people see that as a benefit. So I think a lot of people left the salons because of two reasons. One, the salon you know, maybe weren't, wasn't operating at its best mm -hmm. in that space. And then you also had people who had this mindset like, well, I don't need you to tell me nothing. I don't want to give you none of my money. I don't want to give you 50%. And it fed, and when the sweets came out, it fed into this, I don't want to have to work with people. Right. I don't, I don't want to have to conform. I don't want to mm -hmm. have to listen. So I'm just going to go do my own thing and I'm going to put my name on the door and I'm going to pay my own 
you know, whatever it is. And I think there's, it's twofold. So I think while I don't blame one or the other entirely by themselves, I think it's going to take all of us together to collectively heal that and to come back to say, but can we restore the team structure back into the community? Because I think that, I think because we were never lent to, and this is also something I speak about, the reason why team, a team structure works well in a white culture is because they were, they had access to certain things that helped them thrive better, like certain business classes and education and how they bought products and how they got um, in salon education on a regular basis to train them on retail or how to use certain things. Like that was a huge eye opener when I started working for this multicultural salon because I had no idea that because they bought a certain number, a certain amount of product that they got points and they got free back bar and they got educated. I had no idea until about 2012. And like I said, I've been doing this since 1994 and I had no idea that there was a such thing. So I think that where that sort of feeds into that module that makes it work on one side, there's so many more benefits. The African-American community didn't have that. Let's think about that. We bought from a singular company, a manufacturer, not a manufacturing house, not a distribution house like Cosmoprof or Beauty Scope or Twin States or uh, whatever those big distribution houses that you know that sell almost everything mm-hmm. and you get to choose whether you, you know, we didn't have that. We didn't have the insulin education. So of course, we, I kind of feel like we, by measure disparity, we sort of <laughs> dismantled the team structure because it was never structured for real, for real. There was very few that understood that mm-hmm. and could put that together. But how many of, how many of those historically, I'm not talking about now, but historically, how many of those do we really know? Like really fully, full to capacity uh, uh, commission salons. How many salons did we know like that? Most of the salons had the owner and maybe one person. If they had more than five people, I was impressed. Mm-hmm. Impressed. Yeah. I mean, you definitely spoke to a lot of things that, that need to be addressed in terms of like systemic issues that we face that we don't even right. know that we're facing because we don't we don't even have access we don't to, even know. <laughs> to we don't know. <laughs> so we don't even know what we don't know <laughs> we don't even know we're missing out right now <laughs> right right but i i do think you know and i don't even want to go too deep into this but i thought you brought up some really great points and it's like i've, I've definitely had um the great experiences and privileges to have worked with some people and have seen some people, um, you know, through my early career as well as, you know, throughout. And I definitely took it upon myself to do a lot of research and learning and education. And it's like, I've got, you know, I sometimes find a binder that I'm like, Oh yeah, I did go to this class, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but it, it's, it is taking all of those things into consideration when we start to talk about salon ownership and becoming a leader and those types of things. But I don't want to dig too deep into those weeds because we could have a great conversation just about that. Right. But um, I want to, um, I want to actually kind of switch gears because one of the things that I'm curious about, and I don't know if anybody else is, um, you did um, an iconic, I guess, um, interview with Mary, with Behind the Chair, Mary Rector. 
And um, I just wanted to kind of get your sense from, you know, your perspective of how it went originally. And, you know, it's like from my perspective, I found you very um, grounded. Maybe that's the word um, that you were able to maintain your center and, you know, focus, push into the right buttons, but also, you know, have compassion uh, while you were not letting anyone off the hook. So <laughs> and that was I, a good assessment. <laughs> <laughs> I, I tried to thrive in all three of those mm -hmm. because I knew it was, I knew it, I knew it had the capacity that it had going in. I just didn't know it was going to land in my lap until like a few hours before that, like that oh, wow. day. That yeah, day. It wasn't a planned thing. No, it wasn't planned. I think what people don't realize is that Mary and I, behind the chair and I had fallen out about two years ago over a post that they posted. And okay. I didn't get a chance to say much of anything, but people were tagging me in the post. And so they, they already knew, or they, you know, they didn't like the rhetoric that was going because it was a very negative post and they had about 600 negative comments by the time I even got to it. And as soon as I started to say anything, they started blocking me. So really about 30 minutes before the, the whole live, I had to remind them that they had blocked me and that they needed to unblock me. So I could, <laughs> the unblock, you even have the conversation. I was like, yo, man, you unblocked me, right? I was like, you got to unblock me so we can do the live. They were like, oh, oh my God, okay, okay. <laughs> I don't think people really knew that that we were we didn't have no relationship, right? You know, going into it was negative. She had already blocked me and was like, I mean, like off all of it, like she was like, <laughs> you know, because she didn't want to hear anything I had to say. So not having that relationship, when Mary uh, <clears throat> just I met her like six months earlier at the ISFE. Okay, how that came about. Someone introduced us and they said, this guy said, George Alberetti, I don't know if you're familiar with him, he's with Cune. And he says, um, Mary has to meet you. That's what he says. He says, she has to meet you. And he says, Mary, you need to talk to her. You need to get with her because she's going to help you with your business and learning how to be more diverse and inclusive. So you need to, you need, and he was very emphatic about that. So our conversation at the time was like, yes, let's get together, you know, get with my people and we'll just set something up. And I kind of walked away like, no, I'm not messing with Mary. Like, I don't know. I just didn't feel the pulling at the time to follow up with her. But mm -hmm. now in retrospect, I realized God didn't want me to interact with her at that time so that what happened would be clean. Right. I don't know if that makes sense, but I believe God does everything the way it's supposed to. She needed to be familiar, but not too familiar so that it could happen the way it happened. Right. So just by chance that same day, I just, I don't know. I, we were in the thick of things, you know, mm -hmm. emotions were high and, you know, my lives were setting off all kind of fireworks at the time. And, um, cause we were only like maybe a week or so in, you know, with all that was going on. And God said, inbox her and I was like well first of all I'm blocked and so he was like, I was like I'm blocked and so he's like no no but you're not blocked off of these other platforms so go on texture versus race and inbox her and so I said to her I okay. said um I said hey Mary I said I don't know if you remember meeting me at ISSC I said that you and I were supposed to have a conversation I think now would be a good time and she said to me um I think you're right she says of course she says, get with my team, we'll make something happen. Well, the team inboxed me and they said, um, we can do something in a couple of days, blah, blah, blah. 
and and I was like, fine. So just as we were trying to schedule, go back and forth, she just kind of pinged me and said, can you take a call right now? And I said, sure. So she called me and for like an hour and a half to be completely transparent right here. What y'all saw live was really a watered down version of what happened on the phone because I really went in on the phone because it was just me and her. There was no, there was nobody to mediate between us. It was just backhand slide every which way because I needed her to understand exactly where I was coming from. And I had no reason to hold back from her at all, right. at all. And she says, what do you want me to do? Just give me one second. She says, what do you want me to do? And I said, throw yourself on the sword, go live with the people and let them hold court for you because you're wrong. You, you, you know, you, you've wronged people, you have wronged the black community. You, you know, and I told her a lot of things and she said, well, go with me. She says, come on, I'll do it. You do it with me. And I was like, no, <laughs> she was like, yeah, come on, let's do it. Let's do it right now. And I was like, no. And she says, okay. I said, I'll, I'll go with you later on tonight. And she said, I'm gonna make a flyer. And we're going to, within like three hours, we were live. Like okay. literally, I taught her like three between three and four or something like that and we were live like at eight so I was like all right well here we go and <laughs> it just it just had to be but y'all know I'm a mom right I'm a mom and my kids don't care during COVID that I'm on a live so y'all just gonna give me two seconds yeah okay <laughs> huh <laughs> is there an adult coin how old is Jacob Okay. <laughs> Be safe. Mm -hmm. He's just like, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm trying not to look at him. I'm over here, my mom, like, get away. <laughs> so that's how that that happened with me. That's how that came about. And um, you know, I feel like we had some very honest conversations. Um, I feel like she. I have to say that I think that she did a great thing by throwing herself out there. I know that it, it helped her too, because I think it brought just a, just a little bit of compassion to her because she, she's wronged a lot of people. Like she doesn't have the best reputation in the industry. And um, no matter, look, I, of all cultures, not just black people, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. everybody has, you know, has had some or may have had some issue or an opinion about her but one thing I will say about her is that she's kind of a let's just deal with it let's just get up front with it and talk about it when she's when she's in she's in and she took it she took it like a champ and I, I think she helped she helped um shape the way everybody else kind of dived in the pool because mm -hmm. she sort of threw herself in the deep end not really knowing what to expect because she didn't know me Right. You know, but she she took it. And I think that she gave me a chance to kind of get off what I think everybody really wanted to say, but give her a chance to be redirected in some areas for her, too. So I think it was twofold. It did it did it did some good for the industry as a whole. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, it was it was a powerful exchange. Um, I watched um, the first part first. And then, you know, kind of like, I, I don't have another, however long the second part was. <laughs> and so I went back to it, watched a little bit of it. And, you know, it's like there were, there were points in it, you know, where honestly it, it felt like she was a little disingenuous and uh, mm -hmm. or disingenuine with some of the, um, 
receptivity, I guess. And some of the time, you know, like when you were talking about the social media and she was like, oh, we've got that covered, you know, like literally with her hand and everything like this dismiss kind of thing. And, and you called her on it, which I was appreciative of. Um, but I still don't know that she really got it. You know what I mean? She didn't really have to, to be honest. I mean, did she really have to? I mean, we have to make her accountable. She didn't have to get it, but she got to do it. You know, somebody's out here making her feel accountable. You know, she she can sort of dismiss it, but she had a lot of people. She's got almost 60,000 views on that. That means she's got 56,000 eyeballs that are now saying to her, but I heard what you said. So are you going to do it? So I don't have to, I don't have to feel like you meant it at all, but I know that there's going to be an accountability to that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because you've got right. people who's going to put the pressure on you to, to do what you said you were going to do. And her team said they were going to be responsible and try and, and hold to that. So, I mean, it's up to the people now, you know, it's not up to me to keep going back on now, Mary, you know, I already did my part. Like it's up to us now, like the community, the, you know, the people that do still, uh, engage with her and behind the chair. It's their job to go back and go, well, can you give us an update on what it is that you're doing? They have to grade her progress. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't expect people, I'm going to tell you like this. I watched this uh, documentary, um, Chelsea, Chelsea Handler, I think that's her oh, name. Uh -huh. And um, she has this like, hello, white privilege, it's me, Chelsea, or something like that. <laughs> and she <laughs> she was dealing with white privilege and she interviewed this guy and he said something that really blew my mind this was just recently and he said you know it's hard to explain water to a fish mm -hmm. and he said they don't they don't know what the concept of water is right they've been in it so long it's like what is what is right. water? Like they would almost look at you like you're crazy because you're trying to get them to understand the concept of water when it embodies them. It's just the way they thought. That's how I feel about her and her whiteness mm -hmm. and her privilege. So I feel like it might take a minute. Mm -hmm. She's going to have to get out of water for a minute before it really starts <laughs> to set in that water was, was a luxury for her. It was, <laughs> it was her means of winning, right. thriving, living, functioning. But until she's out of water and what, what is out of water though? Mm -hmm. What is out of water? Out of water is that accountability. Out of water is we stop, we stop following, we stop engaging, we stop spending, we stop until we get the results we want. Now, I'm not saying nobody should do that, but I'm saying if you really want, you can ask somebody to do something, you can, oh, no, 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 there's three ways. You can hope they're going to do the right thing, you can ask them to do the right thing, and you can guarantee they're going to do the right thing. So we're at the point where we stop hoping people are going to do right by right, us. Right. Now we're asking you to do right by us, but at some point we got to get to, we're going to make sure you do right by us. And that part means unplugging, uh, taking the little thing out of the bottom of the water, let the water out, or take the fish out of the water. Because mm -hmm. until people feel it like that, then they won't ever have an appreciation for that water. Right, right. Yeah, I think it's... Um from some of the conversations you know that I've had and observed or what have you it's so much um or maybe not so much but some of wanting people who are just getting an inkling that there was a problem to be part of the solution of solving the problem it's like they're not equipped to solve the problem because they didn't even know there was one and that's why we're still here so long we're wondering why the Crown Act is necessary. Why do we have to say these things? I did an, a massive interview today with some very prominent people just today. And she mm -hmm. was like, 
you mean people are discriminated against them? You know, people have discrimination against them because of their hair? And I'm like, and that's the reason why we still suffer at the hands of these people, because you don't know. So there's not enough awareness around these issues. And we have to keep speaking up and speaking to people and not assuming that they know and that right. they just let it ride because their privilege allows them to have like earmuffs and blinders on, you know? So they walk around like this. Everything is just a beautiful whitewashed world. They have no idea the suffering. Mm -hmm. not, and, and even when they do see it, sometimes the privilege still allows them to say, well, it doesn't impact me. So I don't have to get into that because that's pretty sticky and ugly mm -hmm. and I don't want to get it. I don't want to go there. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. My friend calls it the bubble. It's like, you're just in the bubble. Yeah. Like, okay. They're just in the bubble. Yeah, I'm popping bubbles. I got a whole bag of needles. I'm like, okay. <laughs> 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 that's what I tell them. I'm popping bubbles. All of y'all that's just walking around this special yeah. bubble, I'm popping your bubble, and you're going to have to make a decision on what you're going to do one way or the other. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think that was definitely um, groundbreaking. I think there was some awareness that was not there previous to that interview. Um, so I'm, I'm grateful, you know, however God worked out the details of you being able to, to, to do that, that that was something that was needed and timely, of course. Um, but what were your thoughts like after you left as Kia, the person? Um, what were my thoughts about me? Or feeling um, just like, oh gosh, you know, like. <laughs> yeah, it was sort of surreal. I was like, you just talked to the devil wears Prada of the industry. Like, <laughs> oh my God. Because I mean, we look at her like that. Like she's a conglomerate all by herself. Like she's mm -hmm. like, you know, I was like, wow, she chose you. But, you know, it didn't, it didn't come without any pushback now. Everybody didn't champion that conversation now i would be remiss to not to not say that that you know there weren't people that didn't agree with everything but i think that there was some there was a an agreement that at least 80 to 90 percent of what was said was useful was positive um i walked away feeling accomplished i did I uh, I walked away feeling like God had used me in that moment to do that. I did feel like um, it could have been anybody, but it was me, and that's that's all I can say. I don't I I can't say why me. I can just say it was me, right. and that's just how that's gonna go down. So yeah, yeah. Well, you you definitely rose to the occasion. So um, um, so can you expand any more on on people who weren't as you know, supportive or saying that, you know, right. felt a certain way. So, so even in the dialogue, cause in the first hour, I couldn't see anything. I couldn't see any of the oh. comments or anything. So I couldn't really gauge what the temperature was going in the comment section, which probably would have allowed me more to kind of gauge where people, you know, what they wanted to kind of contribute to the conversation as well. And I didn't have that. I didn't have the benefit of that. But what I understood after the fact was that um, there were a few people that just kind of said, well, I don't know, you know, I don't know who this young lady is, but she doesn't speak for me, you know, because actually, I, I don't want to be on your platform. I could care less about what you have going on and, you know, and we don't need you. And so I think that going forward, there's this, rep, there's this, there's this, uh, it's not a division, but it's a difference of opinion on how to move forward. I think we kind of got two groups of people. We got a group of people that want to create an inclusive 
environment. And then we have people that want to detach, that want to be like, we don't need you, we'll just build our own. And I think that we have to either, you know, for me, I would love to see us thrive and do both. One, heal, bridge, repair, and have some inclusive um, spaces that we should live in while building wealth and greatness for Black people. I think we should be doing both. So I think some people just kind of felt like, well, no, I, actually, I, actually, I don't care if she reposts me, and I don't care if she ever, you know, posts another Black person ever or does anything for us. We don't want no parts of her. And then I think a lot of people had issue with the hashtag. So, you know, I had a, a young lady or a young man that reached out to me afterwards and he said, and he was the only one, he said, uh, he says, you know, I don't know if I really agree with that. And he says, can you tell me your thoughts around that? I said, I'm so glad you asked. I said, so in that moment, I said, just by sheer numbers alone, we are at a disadvantage of being seen, like just seen. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, I was trying to create a space where they could be reintroduced because it wasn't like we just populated out of nowhere. No, we have always existed. But when you look at, let's just say a thousand people hashtag behind the chair in a day, in a day's time. And then you got three that might hashtag behind the chair that are black. Right. And they're, they're not necessarily fishing for you anyway, so they're not looking. So my thought was, just so we can beat the numbers, just sheer numbers, let us have a hashtag that would show solidarity between, you know, and, and, and kind of commemorate this conversation that Behind the Chair and Texture versus Race was having at the time. And so I, and they were like, well, we don't want that. We, we, why should we have a, a different hashtag? They need to just come look for us. And they can find us. We're here. They can just look for us. And I, and I agree. I said, okay, great. Let's do something else, but let's come up with something else viable. You know, so I guess that they kind of took it like it was a Negro only hashtag. Like, so why do we have to have separation yet again? Right. And I, was, I didn't think about it in that moment like that. I was thinking about it more like introduce yourself and then let them follow you and then come get you. Not just hashtag it forever, ever, all men. Like this is the only place black people can live. Like there's a this is your only water fountain, or this is the bathroom for you, but kind of in a space of, but if you want to find Black artists, then hey, maybe you should come to the festival where Black artists gather and do some things. But like I said, I'm not, I'm not uh, offended or I'm not afraid of redirection, but I, I, what I don't like is for us to sort of, uh, you know, tear each other down in public. I don't, I don't like that. I think we should, I, I, I really agreed and appreciated this particular person kind of reaching out to me after the fact saying, I don't know if we all agree with that. I don't know if you could see that, but some of us had took some issue with that. And so then I went back and said, okay, well scratch the hashtag. Let's just do something else. Like what, what else can we do? Like, let's, you know, let's just pivot from that and redirect. Right. Simple as that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. There's so many different pieces to this puzzle. Definitely. Oh, there was, Oh, there was, <laughs> Oh, there was a lot. It was a lot more than it just, I just want us as, you know, Black people, I want us to figure out what we want. And I want us to figure out how to move but with do you, that. Do you really think that's, that's feasible? Because I, I feel like um, one person can't speak for all of us. Because no. we're, we're different. We're diverse. Look at the shades that we come in. <laughs> if you just want to look at diversity in that way, it's like we're not one person or one thought or one... No perspective or one even background 
You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like, we've all had different experiences and I think there's room for it to coexist. It's almost like asking white people like, well, what do you want? You know, what do white people want? It's like, they want a whole bunch of different things. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I think it's okay yeah. for us to want different things. I don't think we have to have a, you know, this is the only path to make, you know, inroads with black people. <laughs> I guess. No, I don't, I don't, I don't think that in itself, but I think it's hard to want people to, it's hard to level up when you don't know what that is. I'll give you an example. Okay. So behind the chair posted one day, they said, um, oh God, what was it that they said? They said, we, we need to, somebody said y'all something negative. And they said, yeah, we really are trying at this point. She said, but it's really hard for us to know when one thing we get too many, we get a lot, they didn't say too many, they said we get a lot of different answers about the same thing mm -hmm. from different people. So we don't always know which way to go. Just a small example. This probably wasn't even it, but I'm just saying, do we want to be, do we want to call hair black is kinky, a bad word now? Are we going to call it Afro? Are we going to, do we want to be African-American? Do we want to be black? You know, I just feel like we just should take control of how we want to see the industry be remolded and shaped on the other side of this. I think we've never been here before, Mickey. I think this is a new for all of us, not only them, but this is the most seen we have ever been in our lives and considered really and i think that it's important for us to now kind of gather and although it can't be one voice it should still show some level of solidarity between all of us mm -hmm. about how we want to move forward in some things that was a very poor example so don't nobody try to you know be like that's small and i'm not talking about that i'm talking about the big stuff i'm saying that you know, how do we want to be inclusive or do we not? Do we want them to post us and, you know, on our own merit, allow us to thrive in these areas and give us opportunities that we deserve and sort of cut the, you know, um, you know, all of these different red tapes that they put up before us that, you know, that we, that we're not getting those opportunities that we deserve and qualify for. I'm not talking about nobody giving us anything. I'm talking about just creating space where on our merit. Right. We can have, we can obtain some of these things just by shifting what's already systemically been in place. And what that means is we have to go sit at those tables and speak to those disparities at all times. But you can't impact a place. You can't impact a place that you don't infiltrate. So I'm a believer that, yes, we need to create tables. Yes, we need to start. To, but we also need to go there and have the conversation. One see how the table is set on the other side. That's one. And two, have relationship where you can bring that person back to your table or to your space to serve. And I think that there's a, there's strategy. There's, there's a lot that goes with it. I just, I'm not trying to say we should all just have one vote and cast it, but I am saying that collectively as a people, we could get closer to the inroad if we communicate more amongst each other and start making, creating, some type of uh, unity amongst us. And this is different, I get it, but we got, our mentalities have to shift mm -hmm. at some point where we collectively come together and go, so let's talk about this real quick. You know, how are we gonna put this out? Instead of all these different ways and then, you know, because what we don't want is for white people to give up and go, oh, y'all don't even know what you want, so we, we don't know what to do, we just give up. And that's a real thing too. Right, right. And even with us having a narrative or a way that we want to be included, that can happen. 
It sure and, can. And, and from what I'm hearing, some to a certain degree, it may be happening already that the door may be starting to to close. Well, that just that just depends on the on the people. That means that means you got to keep waking up that sleeping bear every time it get tired and start yawning. You got to start getting with the woke folks, the right. woke white folks, and start getting with them to start putting more pressure up. So yeah, it's it's you know we can't allow that to happen. I mean, how sad would that be? The mm. biggest pivotal moment that we've ever ever had since we stepped foot on the soil that we let go by the wayside because we couldn't come together. Right. Wouldn't that wouldn't that be disappointing? Well, well we have had some some group meetings um, with mm -hmm. some artists, and you know it's actually why I started doing this because it's like I was so inspired by so many people that were part of it, you know, some of them I knew, but a lot of them I didn't know. And it's like, I definitely didn't know their story and, and all of that. It's like, we've got to celebrate this. We've got to have Absolutely. a place where this can be showcased, you know, all of this talent, all of this energy and um, celebrated. And I think it's healing. I think it's inspirational. I think it's um, historic. I think it's educational. All of these things are, you know, part of what we have to be really proud of. And I think- well, You should be proud. We do need to, um, you know, create to a certain degree a narrative, I think is what I'm hearing you saying, um, to make it so that it is like, okay, well, if we can meet this, this, and this, at least we'll have made some progress. Um, go ahead. I, I, I am very hopeful, Mickey. I am not, I don't believe that the door is closing yet. I still believe, I believe in all of the meetings and the coming together. I've never been so connected to so many good Black people that I never even knew, you know, were out there that's reaching out that I've created, um, you know, as networking opportunities, of relationship, uh, conversations that we're having, being privy to things. I am very proud of us Black people, actually. I'm not, I'm not knocking, I'm just saying that I just, in that moment back then, it was sort of like, all over the place. I think now right. we're sort of clustering together and saying, hey, let's get me, you, 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 and you together and come up with something. And then you, 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 we have some like uh, conversations um, like, like me and Sakina and a couple other people. Like we're definitely really heading in on the school thing. And it's like, oh, that's, that's important to you. That's important to you. Let's get together and let's target that. And I think it's so important that we create uh, voices, like a bunch of voices, but that are specific to targeting something that's getting something done. But I'm very proud of us as a people. I'm proud of us as an industry. I'm proud of us. We've, we've done some great work. And I know it doesn't even seem like that as much, but y'all, we all gotta know, a lot of work is being done behind closed doors and not right up front on social media. And so I, you know, well, I can say that I know that I'm doing a lot of work behind the people that I'm speaking to. They're doing work behind the scenes and, you know, things are being done. Policies are being changed. You know, people are shifting and moving. And I think that it's gonna be seen more coming. I think it's a little soon to sort of see the, see the fruits of that labor yet, but I, but I do believe that we planted a lot of good seeds and it's going to flow. So I'm actually very proud and hopeful for our industry. I really am. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm definitely proud of our industry and the, um, the level that we participate in is like, you can't even knock it at all because it's like mm -hmm. we bring our a game it's like we are professionals yes, we, we are great educators it's like we've got so many things going on which is is so spectacular and um i think like i wrote an article on you know do black lives really matter in the beauty industry and i really went through because i think 
there's so many different avenues to address. Like, you know, you're partnering up with some people around schools and it's like, but there's, you know, the hair shows and there's the main stages with the hair shows yep. and there's the, the imagery, um, which is one of the things that was huge for me because it, it's, you know, it's like I grew up um, seeing Beverly Johnson on the cover of Glamour um, was, is one of my earlier memories of being like in first or second grade going to the library. And it's like, oh my gosh, it's like, she's gorgeous. And she's on a cover and she's all inside. And I have, I still have like this scrapbook thing that with all of these images of her and, you know, and other black models as well, but she was the first and, um, you know, first one to be on Vogue. And that was 1974 that she was on Vogue, which was groundbreaking. And I think right. imagery has so much to do with how we perceive ourselves, how others perceive us, because yeah. not only was she like an inspiration to me as a young black girl, like she let the whole world know, you know, it's like, this is beauty as well mm -hmm. as the blonde model and the brunette and the, yeah. this and the that. And I think those were decisions that were made by editors in the early 70s. And I'm like, we're fast forwarding almost 50 years later. And it's like, where are the black people? You know, what I mean? <laughs> where are the brown faces? Right. And we are more diverse as a culture, as a country, as a global society yes. than we've ever been. And so I think uh -huh. we've got to um, have some conversations around that because I think we are. The message You're having it. You're yeah. having it. We're, we're having it. You know, right. that's exactly what we're talking to them about. We're, you know, I hate to say it, we're kind of pulling people's drawers down in the back office. Like, have you taken a look at this stuff yet? You know, let's go through this together. <laughs> look at this. <laughs> let's just scroll through. Let's just exactly. go through campaigns. Let's just, you know, so I mean, I think that that conversation is being, it's being had. I think we know all of the areas where we see these lacks and it's just been super important thinking that people like yourself and like myself and, um, you know, that everybody that, that has a voice and, a, and an opinion and an insight as to how to make things better, use that voice, use that influence, use their platform to speak out about it and to try to make change happen because it's not going to change. Again, we're talking to a whole bunch of people that's in water. We got to start taking folks out of the water and bringing them to these realities. That is our job. And so I think that while we're pushing, we got a lot more to do for sure. But I do know that there are a lot of people with 10 toes on the ground that's really mm -hmm. pushing and stomping through. Yeah, it's an exciting time. It's an exciting it time is. part of the beauty industry. Oh, yeah. So before we end, it's like I think we're um, somewhere in the vicinity of, of um, being able to close out here. Tell us about Intercoiffure. That's a whole nother prestigious um, group. And so, um, Intercoiffure was, was, again, for me, impact has to do with infiltration. Like for me, you can't impact any place you don't exist. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, one of my, one of my favorite things to do is to get into these organizations and start making a whole lot of noise. <laughs> and that's what, <laughs> that's what I did with Intercoiffure. Like I wanted to get into what was considered the top 1% of the industry. That was the top salon owners, the top artists, the top brands, like the top 1%, the people that were, you know, making, you know, that were wildly successful in the industry. And you got, you had to go through, that was a very rigorous process as well. The application process, the interview, it was not a sneeze. 
um, you know, they, right. yeah, it just wasn't. And I went through it and I did it. And, you know, one of the things that I stand proudly on is even through the interview process is I said, you know, there are a lot of people, a lot of black people that should be sitting in this chair. And if you don't want to see more black people sitting in this chair, then you might want to rethink letting me in. Because that's what I plan on doing is bringing more black people to the table. Your organization is way too white. You have no diversity. So if you are an advocate for change and you want someone to help you lead that in that way, then, then I'm your person. But if not, thank you, goodbye, and we'll be fine. And they were like, okay, like, okay, you know, and they let me in. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, now I'm bringing people to the table, like, for exposure. Cause you don't know what's there until you get there. You don't know, you don't know how to want something bigger, better, greater, or something else until you see it. Like you, you know, you, you're pretty content where you are until you see something better. You're like, Oh, so there's that. Okay. Let me go after that. Oh, so there's this. Yeah. Let me go after that. And so now I'm bringing my team, my people, my uh, other mentees, other people that may not have the opportunity to go because you have to be invited. I bring people along so that they can see it and then they can start thinking, but do I want to be a part of this? But of course, COVID's happened. So we hadn't had a chance to really get, you know, the last time I was there, I was being pinned. So, um, okay. you know, we'll see. We'll see how that works. Yeah. We'll yeah. See. I definitely um, think what you're saying is so true. It's like, we don't know until we have exposure. And I think that's one of the best gifts we can give to our colleagues our teams or what have you it's like um that was one of the things that i tried to make a point of with my salon and as we moved into day spa and all of that um we had clients that were going to spas you know where they'd spend the week there and have all of this treatment but most of our team had never even been to a spa at all and so it's like we made a point to take them you know we did a limo for one of our meetings and took them out to a big spa so they could each get a mini service and see what the experience was and see what we were what the clients would be expecting and um that's what know. culture camp does we create yeah. themed retreats nice and most of most of the people, you know, there's always that few people that go, I've never been to a five-star hotel before. Mm -hmm. I've never experienced anything like this before. And it's like, that's what we do. We create experiences and exposure for people so that they know that there's more yes. and have something to reach for. That's yeah. it, you know? Absolutely. So, yeah. So before you go, tell us about Kia's confidence. I see that as something that's... Um, I hate to use the word lacking, but I think lacking is probably an appropriate word in our industry, particularly from females, that we don't always come with a certain confidence of who we are, as well as what we do or what we're capable of, capable of doing. And so where does your confidence come from? Was it inborn? Was it your parents? You know, just just came out that way? <laughs> That's a good question. No, I think confidence comes with... Um, competence mm. honestly I think the more you know the more you understand your purpose and you understand why you're here the more confident you can be in that and you can walk in that I think people that sort of shrink sometimes shrink because they're not sure about where they should be and thriving and what they should be doing and so I, I would just attribute confidence with competence the more you are confident about what you're speaking about or what you're doing, the more you can stand in that in authority versus when you kind of go very timidly, like, 
then your friend's like, I'm going to get some color. Can we do some color? I don't know. Can we do color today? You know, <laughs> like, no. Yes, we're going to do color today. Let's do color. You know, this is what we're going to do. It's a difference. It's just, it's right. just a difference. And um, I don't, I don't know. I wasn't confident all my life. Like, there were times where I was very non-confrontational up until, I mean, you know, it was it was how I was non-confrontation. Then it was I was all confrontation. Then I went back to non-confrontational, and now I'm back to well, how do I live and make this work together? How do I, you know, which is texture versus race personified? That's that's me living that out. How do I speak truth to power? How do I be the voice for what it is that I know God has commissioned me to talk about and create this platform to do so without being confrontational? You can be an agitator, you can be an advocate, you can be a change agent, but being uh, just confrontational in a negative sense, no, I don't believe that I'm being confrontational, but it, this is, that's why Texas versus race is so important to me, mm-hmm. you know, because it really, it really tackles the conversation that we need to have, the one that makes people the most uncomfortable, but it's still the one, it's still the space that we create that that allows you to sit in it and experience it. Mm-hmm. So we very rarely get anybody that gets up and go, I'm not listening to this. And I'm just jump. No, we we create an environment that somehow it's the good hurt. <laughs> it's the good, it's the good hot. How you know how <laughs> rest in peace. Good trouble, <laughs> good trouble, you know? And I think that we need to often just, just think about that. Like you said, back to the confidence thing, but learning how to not be, or for me, it was learning how to manage all of the parts of me that wanted to exist for this purpose. And I think God allowed me to go through all of that so that I could be for this very moment. You know, there are people that know me from back in the day, like, girl, that mouth is going to work for something. <laughs> that mouth, that mouth of yours, you know, <laughs> it's going to be useful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think we all come here with our different gifts, and it's um, wonderful, you know, just to be able to witness you using yours, and, you know, like, when you talk about confrontation, I think sometimes that can shut people down, and that's yeah. the opposite of what we want at this point in time. We want to to create an environment that may not be comfortable, but so that we can start to have the conversations and all that we need to have. Yeah. And that's, you know, I think that is important for us to know how to do in this time is have the hard conversation, but have it, you know, mm-hmm. not, not spend our wheels arguing with people that already have a made up mind, but, but spend our time in spaces where people are considering, where people are listening and people are healing. And one of the biggest things texture versus race just stands for is understanding that hair is a fabric and not a race. And, it's, and we, we lead with that. We lead with the heart. We lead with, can you separate the hair fabric from the race of a person? What does that mean to you right now? How does that work? How does that make you feel right here when I say, but are you afraid of black people or are you afraid of black hair? You know, when I say black hair, like in quotation marks, because we know that hair is not black hair but when we say (laughs) the culture of that hair or that hair that's sitting on that black woman is it that person or is it that texture that's throwing you off so we can teach you how to do texture but can i teach you how to do this person and that's why i love texture versus race so much and i think that because that movement started uh about two and a half years ago i think that for such a time as this it was already 
in the makings of having that conversation. And although we were having it, people heard it, they weren't necessarily listening. Now they're listening. Mm -hmm. Now they're listening. And they, they still understand that this is a space where they can have the conversation and not feel attacked. And even if they are being um, challenged, Mm-hmm. We definitely tell people, I can't promise you that you won't be uncomfortable. I'll just promise you that you're always going to be safe. But don't, don't, just because you're uncomfortable don't mean you're in danger. <laughs> I just always tell people that, like, you're in no danger. No matter what conversation we're having, you are not in any danger, no physical danger. And just because you're uncomfortable does not mean you're in danger. Separate the two. And then now let's have the conversation. So we say it's safe in that way but not safe from being uncomfortable and i'm okay with that yeah yeah it sounds really powerful um both color culture and texture versus race so tell us where we can see more learn more as far as what you have going on so texture versus race can be found um colorculture.com you can go to any of my instagrams uh at pia artistically at texture versus race at the color culture I'm on um, Facebook, Kia Artistically Meal, but one of the, another place for people that are interested in Texture versus Race movement, you can go to our group. We have a group here on Facebook called Texture versus Race um, that we get into some good conversations sometimes, and it's it's really good to hear perspective and a great space for people to get in and to start, you know, advocating for change and bringing about different perspectives, you know, speaking mm-hmm. truth to a situation or to someone who may not understand and empowering them with knowledge. So it's a great space to learn, a great space to grow, and a great space to just contribute to that growth. So that's that. But um, we also have the Texas versus Race Summit coming up, mm-hmm. um, September 13th through the 15th. It's a three-day digital conference now. We're gonna go digital, mm-hmm. uh, and we're gonna, we're gonna learn all about Texas here in and out. And I tell black people, just because we have textured hair. Doesn't mean we know how to do textured hair. Doesn't mean there's a whole new curriculum around doing curls and texture, and we all need to know it. We need to know how to do straighter hair, you know, textures, so we can level the playing field. We must get in the game. So, black people, get in the game. Learn how to do textures that you are not already familiar with, mm-hmm. so that you will come out prosperous on the other side of this. And that's you know, so that's. That's that. And I also have another event coming up that I'm actually going to drop tonight. So, you know, you guys, yeah, so you guys make sure you are, yes, can and use the right products, learn about <laughs> products and all of that. Because, you know, she's, you know, the retail boss. She ain't going to never miss that right. shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, girl. We're going to have her on. <laughs> awesome. I can't wait for that. So, yeah, it's going to be. Uh, a, a great new event that's going to speak to that. And I just want everybody to stay tuned to, to my pages tonight because I'm going to go live and talk about it. And I'm going to release it. So and it's, gonna, it's, it's, it's worth looking into. It's, it's, it's a great agitation. <laughs> it's, it's a little bit of a... Okay. We're going to see how people feel about this one. We're going to really see how people feel about this. We're going to really be able to see where people are living with this whole change in structure. Yeah. Well, keep, keep doing what you're doing. It's like we need it as an industry because I think um, the more inclusive, you know, that we are, um, the more, I guess, flavor, I think, that we bring yeah. to the game. You know, it's like that yes, we have um, certain things that make the whole better. And so 
we need to be. Well, in we the- are the salt of the earth, aren't we? Yep. Yeah. As much you know, as we, we need gotta to go our offices, we need to be in the rooms as well and create yeah, we opportunities. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to thank you so much for being here, taking time out of your schedule. I want to thank everybody who joined us. And I don't know if we have any quick questions or anything, but um, oh, I was upset when we couldn't see the uh, see the chat and stuff on on Facebook. Facebook. Let me see if yes, I- Tiffany wants to know if there'll be a replay. Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Usually I'm looking to make sure it's recording like the whole time. And I was like, oh, I didn't yes. know. Yes, it is recording. <laughs> Thank goodness. Yes. <laughs> right. You know, I had somebody do that. We did a whole podcast and she texted me back like, it didn't record. I was like, mm. no, I know. It is like so many um, moving right. parts and all this technology. Um, so I'm not seeing questions, but if you have any questions to pop them in there, and then I'm just going to quickly take a peek over into <laughs> Facebook rooms and see if I can see anything. Um, yes, Peter, that's, that's every podcast's worst nightmare. Yeah. Oh, the worst fear that it doesn't <laughs> record. And they're like, uh. Absolutely. <laughs> okay so i i see comments but i don't see questions so i think we are good from that aspect um i want to again thank you for being here i want to thank everybody that joined us everybody that will see us on the replays and um letting you know it's like we have more beauty superstars talk is continuing it's like our hair color segment will end next week with patrick bradley and he's going to talk about branding he's built an incredible brand as well as coloring relaxed hair which we don't even hear the term relaxers anymore but it's like he's got some great techniques and all and so we'll talk about some of the um benefits or challenges that can come along with that and then we'll move into the month of august which is everybody's outside of the box um a couple people work in the salon but some don't work in the salon at all um so we got film and television first so if you've ever thought about working in film and television it's like we're going to have ralph ochoa here to tell us about getting into it you know what it takes what it's like and all of that and the following week we'll have mazay jefferson who's um I guess I need to get his exact title right now, but he's an executive with L'Oreal. It's like he's moved through various different uh, corporate positions throughout his career. And he is going to share with us, you know, kind of what that's like, because sometimes we get so in a box, we just, you know, think, oh, well, if I get a, you know, cosmetology license, I just stand behind the chair. But there's so many options. And um, then we'll have Michelle O'Connor, who is phenomenal with phenomenal. The editorial work and has won, I don't even know how many Naha awards. I think it's five or six. Five. Five. Okay. Yeah, five. <laughs> so five she will join us and yeah. she's had some experiences that I hope we can can dive into as well, you know, just with the racism and different things that she's experienced. And um and then we'll end August up with Kia Sterling. So we'll uh Aww. You've got a great lineup coming. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, it's like, it's, it's on and on and on. It's like, I I said, I've got about five years worth of people I want to talk to. So, (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you for having me. Yes. Yes. Well, I'm I'm so glad we could talk. And and I thought that, um, 
you know, your message is very timely. And then of course, with everything that happened with behind the chair and all that, I thought we should really, you know, look at where we are, you know, where are we yeah. and where do we go from here? So yeah. um, appreciate all that you're doing in terms of the color education, because we need it. Um, and color is across the board. So it really does, um, all of here has more to do with texture than it does race. Um, but we've got to bridge all of those racial things so that we can get to the hair part. So, uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So um, I want to say thank you for being a beauty superstar. Thank you for being here with us. And thank you. see all of the rest of you guys. Bye, yeah. guys. So next Tuesday at 7. Mark all your Tuesdays. Just join us. <laughs> All right, Miss Nikki, thank you. Take great care. All and right. we shall talk soon. All right now. Bye-bye.